Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, we are live again from the Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Wisco Fanatics Facebook pages, as well as the Wisco Fanatics YouTube page. Uh, Jake and I are the Wisco Fanatics back on our normal Wednesday uh, we want to thank our sponsor, Parker Johns, for sponsoring the show. If you need game day food, that's the place to get it. Um, I think what kind of slides under the radar is how good their pizza is, actually, if I'm being honest with you. Their pizza is actually really good. Um, Parker Johns actually started as a pizza place in Keel, where Jake and I are from. So um, check out Parker Johns for game day food. And we are going to start the show with Jake wishing the Green Bay Packers a happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm not going to sing the whole song. I just wanted to say happy birthday to the most important franchise in my life and many other people's lives. 102 years old today. Green Bay Packers, man. I mean, they're tatted on my body. They're on my wall. They're on my chest. The Green Bay Packers are the greatest franchise in sports, in my opinion, 13-time champions. And I say the greatest, and I say the championships because I think football is the hardest sport. You can have your debates until you're blue in the face. It doesn't matter. I mean... You, you, some people think basketball, some people think football, some people think baseball. I mean, baseball's hard. You got to try to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and then run out in the field and try not to get, you know, a pitcher can get a line drive right to his face. doesn't matter. To me, football is the hardest. There's a lot of things that go into it with the physicality. So, Green Bay Packers, happy birthday, and thank you for making my life complete every Sunday. All right. Happy birthday, Packers, and we are going to jump into the Brewers and we're going to start with this Brewers-Giants series. And we talked about it. We previewed it going into the weekend. And we knew we were without a bunch of players, especially bullpen guys. And unfortunately, it did come back to haunt the Brewers, missing those bullpen guys. But there's some other context and stuff that we want to get into. And we're going to start with Game 1. And I will kick it to Jake to start with his thoughts from the Game 1 2-1 to victory over the San Francisco Giants. Yes, sir. Uh, Brewers. Two to one, tenth inning. Um, Brett Suter, another win. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Uh, Burns pitched great, man. Uh, last week, McQuaid said it. He said that Burns can make it up tonight. At, you know, talking about Friday, and he had seven innings, four hits, and earned one earned and uh, five Ks, and I, he played great. Uh, and the home I'm gonna hop in there real quick on that, just while you're What's on the up? subject of Burns. Uh, he survived three errors by the Brewers' defense, too. So, yes, yes. Um, give him credit for that, for uh, surviving all three of those errors. So, credit to Corbin Burns. Yeah, and still going seven. You know, like, that's crazy. Yep. Um, Garcia with the homer in the second. And then, you know, Rowdy Telez was, uh, was the hero again with the walk-off single in the 10th, scoring Garcia. And Brewers start 2-1. to one And right immediately after that game, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm texting you, I'm texting my dad, I'm thinking, like, Brewers can take two out of three, take three out of three from these guys, you know, and we're without all our bullpen. But, oh, and one other thing I wanted to point out is Brandon Belt hit his first of four home runs in the series. He yep. was legitimately – and he hit a bad pitch in the sixth inning in game one. 
And he swung and hit a bad – like it was a good pitch in terms of pitcher, but it was a bad pitch in terms of hitter. And he just he just manned that thing out of there. You know man. what? Brandon Belt has a weird swing, but the Brewers threw him the same pitch on all four home runs that he hit. Yep. It was he an 86-mile-an-hour like change up right in the middle at the bottom of the zone. All four pitches that he hit home runs on were the he same just, pitch, and I think they were all 86 miles an hour. He just golfed them out of there, man. He did, and he's got so, yeah, he's got like a weird swing because he's a, a lefty, and he's weird because lefties are weird. <laughs> and like the way that he swings, it 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 does doesn't look it doesn't look as smooth as like say Christian Yelich, who's got a really smooth swing. Like it looks uncomfortable, but you know it, it works for him, obviously. Yeah. And uh, it worked for the Giants to win the series. Um, I will say, Avi Garcia has a nice swing. Yes, he does. He reached on like a low and outside pitch, and he still hit it out. Now, you want to talk about a strong man, Garcia, <laughs> boy, that's a grown oh, that's And that'll be a little bit of foreshadowing because we're going to talk about Avi being strong again later on. Oh, I'm sure um, we will. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to – you mentioned Rowdy. I wanted to bring him up again really quick before we move on to game two. Um, they were talking about it during the broadcast about how Rowdy Telez hits left-handed pitching really well. Mm-hmm. So I looked into it. Uh, Rowdy Telez actually is batting 324 against left-handed pitchers. That's so you know, usually, cool. you know, usually teams will play the matchup and they'll try to bring a lefty in against a lefty just yep. to try to get that extra split second of, of the batter, not being able to see the pitcher throwing the ball. And, you know, it, it doesn't affect Rowdy. And if anything, it makes him hit better because he's only batting 228 against righties. Well, he just needs to think of every pitcher as left-handed then, and he'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's something, you know, that Craig Council can use to his advantage. You know, if he's got a guy batting left-handed in the lineup, you know, and he's got a left-handed pitcher on the mound and they have that three-batter minimum rule, and you can pinch hit Rowdy Telez, and, you know, he can uh, drive you in a run for a walk-off hit to win the game. So, um it's- Ben Clutch, I'll say that. Last last thing I want to say about this game, um, the Brewers did win, but you got to get more than five hits, especially if you're striking out eleven times. You got to just put the ball, you got to put the ball in play. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to game two. Um, this game sucked. Like the Brewers could have, should have won this game. Yeah, for multiple reasons, I can think of three reasons the Brewers should have won this game. But I will give you the chance to bring up your thoughts before I I list off my three reasons I think the Brewers should have won. Well, here's your first reason. I'm assuming is eight of the Giants' nine runs came from the ninth inning or later, so ninth through the eleventh inning because this game went eleven. Yeah. Um. Uh, scoring got started early. Adamas RBI double. <laughs> it was one zero. Uh, Belt comes back, hits his second of his four homers. And then Kane hits a sack fly. Bryant scores on an error in the ninth inning with two outs left by Garcia. That should have been – that's probably reason number two, I would assume. That, that was number one. Oh, number one, okay. I mean, just a – he looks like he just lost sight of the ball. And he just and he just stumbles over his feet because he's trying to rush, you know, in very little time. And obviously we saw what happened. Uh, you want to get so, in on, on this part? It's one with that with that part of it, um, there was two things. First, Avi made a really nice catch earlier in the game. He really made like made a really nice over the head catch. You know, they say in in baseball, 
the hardest ones to catch are the ones that are hit right at you over your head. Mm-hmm. And he made that catch earlier in the game. And then what I heard on the radio was they were talking about it, that it might have hit one of the wires uh-huh. in the in the roof. So I I don't know because I you know I haven't seen anything officially about that, you know. Um, whether it was from people that were there, articles written afterwards. Um, but I did hear that on the radio that that was maybe something that could have affected that ball. That's interesting, actually. I didn't I didn't hear that. Uh, well, anyways, you know they tie the game right there, Brian. You know, you know he get he, you know, error two two right. Uh, Posey RBI single, Crawford sack fly. Uh, it's it's five two after that. Uh, Urias yep. comes back in the tenth, hits a two run homer. And then Adamus yep. ties it up 5-5. Yep. And then you go go to the 11th inning. You know, this game's starting to get crazy at this point. You're like, oh, my God, people are hitting homers. Like, there was no scoring up until the ninth inning. You know, it's 2-1 to one, just like the day before. And all of a sudden, yep. everybody just starts to just, okay, you're going to score. You're going to score. You're going to score, right? Well, 11th inning, Wade Jr., who had a really good series against us as well, also with Brandon Belt, hits an yep. RBI single, 6-5. Wade's on, on base. Belt hits his third or fourth home runs. And Brian gets an RBI double. It's nine to five at that point. Uh in the in the eleventh, Kane, single to right center, uh, made it nine six. And that's where the, the scoring stopped. I mean, I think Woody had a pretty good outing, you know, despite all this. I mean, six innings, six hits, one earned run, eight Ks. I mean, pointing out all the good stuff, obviously, but he had a good enough owning. That's a good quality start from, you know, your ace where you should win yep. that game. And you know, that, that's just been Woodruff's year, to be completely honest with you. That's really yep. been his luck. So you highlighted what was the 11th inning and the 10th inning. Um, the Brewers were playing up on defense to try to get a force out at home plate. Now, I have the benefit of hindsight knowing that the Brewers are going to score in the bottom of the inning. But had Craig Council been willing to give up a run in exchange for a double play. The Brewers could have gotten out of that inning, giving up less than three runs and then would have won in the bottom of the 10th inning. Now, like I said, I have the benefit of hindsight. So I know that the Brewers were going to score three runs in the bottom of the 10th. True. So, you know, giving up one in the top of the 10th, you know, the Brewers could have won that game five to three. Again, I have the benefit of hindsight. So I know that the Brewers were going to score three, but um, a ball hit right up the middle that normally would be a double play ball for a shortstop was too fast to handle because Willie Adamas is already standing on the infield grass. So that's it's an unfortunate thing, but I mean, you know, props to the Giants for doing what they needed to do to win the game. Yeah. Um, the other things that I want to say, six, six runners stranded in scoring position. That was my number two reason the Brewers should have won this game was the six runners stranded in scoring position. You mentioned it. The game was two to one going into, you know, the ninth inning, 10th inning, 11th inning. Mm. You, you plate a third of those guys and you win. Yep. So the, the, what I made a post in the Brewers group the other day was that Avi Garcia didn't single handedly lose the game on Saturday. Cause I saw a lot of people ripping Avi for losing that last fly ball. Now, obviously if he makes that catch, the game is over, but, the Brewers could have won that game way before it even got to that point. That always bothers me when people do that. Oh, the last play of the game. Oh, yeah, we lost exactly. that. What about all the stuff that happened, you know, the entire game before that? 
And that's why I wanted to offer a bunch of context here. And then you I mentioned it, so. you know, this game was tight going into the late innings. We talked about it. We said it a whole bunch of times when we previewed the series that the Brewers bullpen is ravaged. So it was Gustave, Hader, Strickland, Cousins, all missing from the Brewers bullpen. We had to claim Sal Romano from the Cincinnati Reds after he was DFA'd by them mm-hmm. and pick him up and just toss him in there because didn't have anybody else. And, you know, he's the one that gets, you know, gets the loss. But the other guy that pitched out of the bullpen for the Brewers is Miguel Sanchez. He's actually been pretty solid for the Brewers. His last five outings have all been scoreless. And he only gave up two runs. He gave up two runs in this game. And his ERA before that was down to 216. So he's he's pitching pretty well, all things considered. Just not everybody's perfect 100% of the time. Yeah. Josh Hader's not perfect 100% of the time. Brad Boxberger has been really good this season. He's not perfect 100% of the time. No, but he has been very good. But he's well, Miguel Sanchez has been pretty solid. Yes. So Sal Romano is probably going to be gone. They'll probably either DFA him or just straight up release him. Um, but the, the good news is um, Hunter Strickland and Cousins are back. So we have some of our... Mm-hmm bullpen back and they were used last night actually but we are going to move into let's move into game three um christian yelich is back on the starting lineup for game three so we do have christian yelich back um so that's good to see um he pinch hit in that second game um didn't really do anything but um back in the starting lineup for game three then i will kick it to you to talk about game three okay so Another game, back-to-back days. Brewers gave one away. A um, little bit banged up. You know, we can use that excuse all we want, but you still got to play the game, right? Um, rough, rough, rough. Hit a homer for the, the Giants to make it 1-0. Yeah. Uh, Narvaez, two-run homer, make it 2-1 in the fourth. Fifth inning, Wong with an RBI single, 3-1. Crawford, another guy for the Giants who is – no, the Giants are just full of these players that are just like seasoned vets who were like really, really good a couple of years ago, and now people like kind of forgot about them, but like they're still really good baseball. Dude, Joe Panic like disappeared off the face of the earth. You know that the Giants have the oldest team in baseball. I did know that actually. Evan Longoria contributes to that. Do you know what the Brewers are ranked? I would guess somewhere in the middle of the pack, maybe towards the younger side. They are 25th. Brewers are very young. Damn. Yes. Oh, wow. I knew something about the Brewers you didn't know. I feel the rest <laughs> of the day is good. I'm accomplished. I am accomplished. <laughs> All right. Let's only, go. only took us uh, two-thirds of the way through the season to get Jake yep. up on his baseball knowledge. All right. Let's go, baby. I'm going to take I'm that as a victory out. for me, too, because I got Jake to get some baseball knowledge out. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Uh, hockey's well. next. Hey, I, I'm going to get into hockey now. Going to get into hockey. It'll happen. Um, if one of the followers on this show is a huge hockey fan and you want to educate me because I don't know a lot of the rules, please go ahead and just slide right into my DMs and teach me all about hockey. Back to the Brewers, giving game three away. I was at Crawford, sack fly, sixth inning. Bottom of the six, Escobar. Scores on a wild pitch. It was 4-2 at that point. I just got home from work, and that was one of the first plays that I saw. Uh, Then you know what happened in the seventh inning. 
Brandon Belt happened for the fourth time in three days. I'm like, I saw him hit the home run. I was like, are you kidding me, man? Are you effing kidding me, man? Like, I was about to just lose my shit. And then eighth inning, Estella with an RBI, RBI single to center, and it's 5-4. And, you know, the thing about this game that really, I'm going to say, pissed me off, and me and you were texting, is Brett Anderson was just dealing, man. He was dealing. You know, five innings, five hits, one earned. Brett Anderson was going nuts, and then, you know, he started limping in the dugout. And you text me yep. right now, he's like, fuck, he's hurt. And I'm like, oh, yep. man. And he could have went another inning or two. We don't know. We don't know. He could have went another inning. He was or two. only at 63 pitches. He could yeah, have he easily was, gone at least another inning. And he was dealing, man. He would, Who knows what happens if he doesn't get hurt? I mean, yep. Norris, Norris comes in, gives up two earned. Boxberger, two hits, one earned. I mean, it sucks. But I definitely feel like the Brewers should have – if they would have had Josh Hader, I think they would have won the second game. And the way that they played in this third game, if Anderson didn't get hurt, I think we would have won all three. I really believe that. Yep, and that's why we're going to talk. I think I'm going to have some of my co-writers and perhaps my editor that I do um, Brewers writing for Fansided. Um, I think I'm going to have them join the show in early September after the Brewers play the Giants again. Um, so we can kind of talk about what's different between this first giant series and the second giant series, aside from players being healthy and then um, try to do like a little playoff primer for the Brewers um, and, you know, what it'll take for them to, uh, to succeed in the playoffs. Um, It's, it's tough between Curtis and Norris um, that you got thrown into a game. You know, it's, it's always hard for a pitcher to come into a game that he wasn't expecting to come into. Um, when a starter gets hurt, so it's it's unfortunate, and the the Norris walk it did come back to bite him. The Brewers, they I mean, we you just mentioned it. They're a young team, but they gotta keep the walks down because it it's hurting them. It hurts them often. They gotta keep the walks down, and you know with that comes the pitch count thing that I talk about a lot. You gotta keep the pitch count down. That's what's gonna allow these starters to get deeper into games. Mm-hmm. That said, um, you know, I just said a guy like Miguel Sanchez hadn't given up a run in his last five games. Boxberger had been seven outings since his last earned run, seven and two-thirds innings since he'd given up a run. That's very good. So you you can't just throw guys under the bus and say, Boxberger sucks because he gave up a run. It's like, where were you for the last seven games where he's been lights out? They weren't watching, obviously. (laughs) Like, it's... I get that the Brewers have three really damn good starting pitchers, but that doesn't mean that the rest of the pitching staff for the Brewers isn't contributing. Right. I texted you right away when this happened. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. batting in this game. Um, First pitch he takes on the inner third of the plate, right in the wheelhouse for a lefty. Second pitch he takes right down the middle. And then the third pitch he swings at, just nowhere near the strike zone. And I texted you that he's got to not be afraid to take, you know, an early aggressive approach and take one of those inside pitches and rip it down the right field line. Yeah, he really does, man. He can do that, and he's got the speed, so he can instantly turn that into extra bases. And the Brewers, you know, the Brewers could have had the leadoff run on or the the tying run on. And then – um. 
this thing here. No base runners until Yelich got a walk in the fourth inning. Like that that sucks. Like you gotta have you know, they scored in the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth innings, and then only one base runner in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And that was Eduardo Escobar, who got on base to lead off an inning. Rowdy Telez hit a deep fly ball that Escobar thought was either going to get down or out, and then had to turn around and run back to first base, and he didn't yep. touch second base on his way back. Got yep. tagged out on second base. and yeah, it sucked. Yeah, I mean, just ruined the chances for the Brewers to get back into that game. Um, Omar Narvaez launched another home run, so there was that. Um, and then the the discussion with Christian Yelich. Now, I've had this discussion probably 15 times in the last month that Yelich needs to stay at the top of the lineup. I keep seeing people saying, move him down to six, seven, eight, send him to AAA to figure this out, move him down in the lineup. Like He's still getting on base. I think right now he's at like 38%, 38% of the time. So a guy that gets on base that frequently, I just I talked about this maybe maybe a month or two ago, that his walk rate is the highest it's been in his career, and his strikeout rate is higher than it's been in his career, which tells me that he's not seeing a lot of good pitches. Yeah. But he's still getting on base. So you need to have that guy batting towards the top of the order so that the middle of your lineup, batting behind him, can drive him in. Yes. Because... You know, he's getting on base. He's just not hitting. So you need to put him in a position where he can still help the team. And that's what happened last night was that he was put in the leadoff spot, which I like. And I hope it happens more often because Yelich is still getting on base a lot. And then you have guys behind him like Willie Adamas and Omar Narvaez and Eduardo Escobar and Colton Wong and even Luis Urias, who's towards the top of the team in RBI. So that said, Yelich needs to stay towards the top of the lineup. And... Let's move into the Cubs series. Hashtag get a roof. Um, <laughs> I saw you say that. that was funny. Um, so Monday's game gets rained out. Yep. They switch to a doubleheader on Tuesday, and they play the first game, and then they start the second game and gets rained late, um, cutting short Aaron Ashby's second career start, which is kind of a bummer. But let's start with game one, and Jake, give me your thoughts on game one. Thoughts on game one. All right. <clears throat> Freddie Prompt is a very good pitcher. Um, oh, I got a stat for you about Freddie. I know. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Uh, five and a third, five hits, two earned, eight Ks, 89 yep. pitches. That's not bad, man. That's pretty efficient. Yep. Um, Wisdom hit a home run for the Cubs in the third to give him a 1-0 lead. He leads yep. all rookies in the majors in home runs, which is pretty cool. Right. I mean, it's the Cubs, so. Fuck him, basically. Nobody but, cares. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adamas, another home run. Love that guy. And I love then, Samuel Adamas. Here's where we're going to talk about Garcia again because he hit a monster bomb. Dude, he launched that ball. For that, that was probably the epitome of him, per, his perfect timing with the pitch, all his power, just, just everything, just 457 feet, just knocked the hell out. It was a I mean, second maybe it was the wind. I heard it's windy in Chicago. <laughs> I, I I looked it up and it was the I could find <clears throat> was the second longest home run of his career. Was it really okay? I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, what was the longest? Did they say? What's that? What was the longest? 
I think I saw 471 was his longest. Holy freaking hell, man. Wow. That is a long way to hit a baseball. Um, Kane hit a homer in the sixth. That was nice. Uh, my father-in-law, he loves Lorenzo Kane. I don't know How what it is not? about him. But, I mean, I love Lorenzo Kane too. But he doesn't watch a lot of Brewers baseball with me. So whenever the Brewers are on and Lorenzo makes a catch or he gets a hit, I swear to God he gets a hit every time he's watching. So I'm going to make him watch all the playoffs. But he's just like, oh, I like that guy. I like that guy. You know, he picks a guy in every team, right? The Bucks, Brewers, Packers. Brewers, it's Lorenzo Kane. Packers, he likes Aaron Jones. He loves Aaron Jones. And on the Bucks, he loves Pat Connaughton. And Drew, he loves Drew Holiday too. But he loves right. Pat Connaughton. He's like that little white boy. I like that little white boy. Dude, even love- Cody said it in the comments. Lorenzo Kane is one of his favorites. How, I mean, you can't not love Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo's a good guy, man. Just he's he's got kind of that Giannis feel to him, where like he's genuine, you know? Yeah, that's how I feel. All about right. Him. So the Brewers did score all four of their runs off the home run. Um, yep. Long ball, baby. So I gotta say, okay. So the Cubs took the lead in this game. And it came off of a bases loaded walk by Patrick Wisdom. And, like, I don't know what his deal was, why he felt the need to stare at Freddie Peralta as he drew his walk. Like, okay, good for you. It's not like he threw at you or something. Or, like, I don't know. I don't know what his deal was. But um, that's when the Brewers came back and took the lead in the bottom of that inning. Um, And after that walk, Tyrone Taylor made a really nice catch down the left field line to end that threat. Um, so here's my stat about Freddie Peralta. Here we go, baby. He's now second. The streak is active. So, um, this stat, Randy Johnson leads in this stat and it's the most consecutive games with more strikeouts than hits allowed. And the record is Randy Johnson who has 25. Now, Freddie Peralta's active streak is at 21. Okay. Freddie Peralta, 21 consecutive games with more strikeouts than hits allowed. So Freddie Peralta is doing his thing. I saw Freddie Peralta's stat today. I don't know if you saw the same one. I think I said I don't know. Which one did you see? It was the lowest opponent batting average, minimum yep. starts. Did you see and that one? And he also, he also leads baseball in hits per nine innings. Dude, he's just – He's a stud, bro. Fastball Freddy, all-star Freddy, whatever you want to call him. That's my boy. Call him Freddy Curveball because he's got a real nice curveball too. Freddy Fastball because he throws like 97. Okay. All right. Last Devin thing Williams I want to do. getting up there at 98 fucking religiously now, man. <laughs> but um, that, that changeup, man. I could talk about Devin Williams' changeup all day. Yep. Devin Williams it's, is the last guy I want to talk about. Uh, um, so he got – he got himself into a jam. He got the bases yep. loaded with one out, but uh, he worked out of it. That he threw a changeup to Wisdom, just absolutely made him just look ridiculously silly. I don't yep. know if you follow if you follow Milwaukee Brewers highlights on Facebook. They showed the highlight of um, Wisdom swinging. His bat is back all the way around his his shoulders. After swinging, before the ball even comes through, the thing about that at bat is he started him off with a change ball or change up, and he was thinking fastball, and then he gave him fastball, and he was thinking change up. So he was he was just all messed up from there, and then he went change up, change up. I think he went fastball after that, and then that final change up, 
and he just made him look oh, it was silly. Bad. He he found the release point if they you know they were talking about it during the game, and he found the release point of that changeup, and it was fucking nasty. Devin Williams' changeup is disgusting, and yeah. I will I will say it every day until I die. And, and then after that, that headband, dude. Yeah, right. And then <laughs> after that, the very next batter, um, Dykeman, strikes him all the ninety-eight mile an hour fastball. Perfect name for a Cubs player, by the way. <laughs> Uh, sorry it was just too perfect so yeah Devin Williams gets the bases loaded turns in back-to-back strikeouts uh one on his disgusting changeup, and the other one on a 98 mile an hour fastball for his second career save so it's two weeks in a row we get to talk about Devin Williams getting saves all right and then game two they get two innings in and then they get a rain delay hashtag get a roof Yes, sir. So let's talk about game two. So I'd like to apologize because I was ahead of myself. I said that Wisdom got the scoring started in game one with a home run. He did not. He got the scoring started in game two with a home run. Game um, one, he had a he, RBI yeah. walk. Yes. Uh, game game two, fourth inning, he had a homer. Then it was 1-0. And then the Brewers decided to play some offense in the fifth inning. Um, I want to point out your boy. Luis Urias had two hits during that, that the same inning. Yep. That inning, yes. He started going crazy. Uh, JBJ hit a double that scored Urias. He was on base. Yep. Uh, Yelly grounded out to the pitcher that scored JBJ, take the lead. And then right after that, it was Narvaez single, Escobar single, Telez single, and Urias again with a single. And the lead went from 0-1 to one to 6-1 to one in one inning. I was like, whoa. What the hell? <laughs> I get home from work because, like, I work late and I turn on the game and I'm trying to stay up. I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. But, man, that was that was really fun to watch. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, uh, Brewers U7 pitchers, you talked about how Ashby got his his start yep. cut short. Uh, it was Ashby, Strickland, Curtis Sanchez, Cousins, Perdomo, and Suter. Suter got his first career save. So first yeah, time he, he did. That. He's just doing um, it all. Yeah, guy gets wins. He pitches 80 miles an hour. He's the funniest guy on the internet, and he's, he locks things down, baby. Got to love oh, he's it. He's got to save. On to you, buddy. All right, now Brent Suter has a save, so he's doing Brent it all. Suter. Brent Suter for MVP. We'll see. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So I want to say um, I want to give Aaron Ashby some credit because – He's going to be really damn good. He has a nasty slider that looks damn near unhittable at times. Uh, slows it down to like 83 miles an hour, 82 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he throws a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. So Aaron Ashby is going to be real good. Might see him in a relief role in September when September call-ups roll around. But you know, if, if a spot start is needed with Hauser and Lauer still being on the injured list with COVID – Maybe they keep Ashby up for one more start, but his stuff looks great. So would you say that Ashby's the new Corbin Burns? Remember Corbin Burns a couple of years ago? He came but up. He's, but he's lefty. He's the, he's the new lefty Corbin Burns. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sure. You know, I'll give you that. Standards. He's kind of the new Corbin Burns, but Burns started out and he was in the, you know, in the bullpen and stuff. So then you brought up Hunter Strickland, who is back from the COVID list, as mm-hmm. is um, Cousins. So having those two back helps the bullpen. 
Um, Hunter Strickland came in after Aaron Ashby, and he was throwing nasty sliders. He was striking dudes out with his sliders, and he was uh, prompted for a substance check after striking out three batters in an inning, um, all in his nasty sliders that he was throwing. Yeah, the umpires checked him for uh, for substances after that. That's funny. <laughs> um, and Jackie Bradley Jr. To... finally hit an inside pitch. You is, mentioned is that, that. way to like compliment the pitcher is like you you throw so much nasty right? stuff. Yeah. Yeah, your, your stuff is your stuff moves too much. You got to be doing something illegal. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to ask. <laughs> but then, yes, Jackie Bradley Jr. finally hit an inside pitch and he ripped a double that almost cleared the fence. Finally. So I'd like to see a little more aggression out of Jackie Bradley Jr. instead of waiting until he's down in the count and then swinging at a horrible pitch. And then um, one other thing I want to bring up, I don't know if you are watching at this point yet, um, Brian Anderson's tarp commentary while they're pulling out the tarp onto the field. Courtney and I sat and watched it while they were bringing the tarp out and just listening to Brian Anderson's comments about them bringing the tarp out and, and giving you know going through all the instructions of how you bring out the tarp. I was laughing. I was laughing so hard because he's, you know, given the whole rundown of bringing out the tarp. What was he saying? Well, he's talking about, he's like, yo, you got to roll it out. You got to roll it out. You got to flatten it out. And then he's talking about pulling it up. And then you get the second fold is really where it comes in. You got to get the technique down right. And then they get the tarp stretched out. And then he's like, no, there's too much air under the tarp. That's not going to work. You got to, you got to get all those air bubbles out of the tarp. And Hmm. he went on for like five minutes giving, giving tarp rolling and extending commentary. As they were bringing the tarp out onto the field, you watch enough baseball games, you'll know. <laughs> I I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. All right, do you have anything else Brewers related? Uh, they do play tonight and tomorrow against the Cubs. Yet, the, so they're still playing against the AAA team from Chicago. So I just expect them I, to win a bunch of they games. Should, yeah, they should win both of the next two games. Um, and then we'll be back to, you know, major league competition. Yeah. Well, we play the Pirates next, right? Yep. That's not major league competition either. So the series after that is when we get back to major league competition. I think we play the Phillies after that? No, we play the Cardinals, I think, right? Maybe that's what I saw. I saw red. Yeah, we play the. I think we play the Cardinals. Because we have a bunch of games coming up against Cardinals. We haven't played them at all. We've been playing the, the Reds. There's a, we have a bunch of red teams coming up. Okay, so it's... Pittsburgh Friday through Sunday. They have an off day Monday, and then Tuesday yep. through Thursday is St. Louis. Then Washington, Cincinnati, Minnesota, and then we're on to that next Giants series that we're yep. talking about. And I looked into the Giants. By the way, we can go a little bit, a little bit foreshadowing here. The mm-hmm. Giants nine of their last eighteen games are against the Padres, who's a good baseball team. They still have another series against the. And Dodgers. they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Yep. They still play have a three game series against the Dodgers, and they still have a three a four game series against us. That's a lot of tough games remaining for them. I mean, they play the Diamondbacks, and then I think next they play the Rockies. So they'll, no, so they'll yeah, they have, yeah, they have some but easy teams in their division. After that. All right. Well, nothing else brewers related. We're gonna move into some uh some fantasy football tips here. Um Jake and I have been playing fantasy football probably like 10 years by now. Um, so we want to give some some tips and then some sleepers at the offensive positions. 
Um, you want me to go first or you want to go first? You go first, man. All right. We're, we're just going to go in order, right? Like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. We're going to do tips first, and then we'll do sleepers. Oh, tips first? Okay. Well, yeah, is, tips. That the order, is that the order you want to go with the players? Yeah. Let me get there. We'll get there. All, All right. right. You, you go first. All right. My first tip for fantasy football is to chase targets. And my reasoning for saying chase targets is to keep an eye on the targets, um, is to see who quarterbacks develop chemistry with on their rosters. And this especially applies if, um, you know, a guy gets hurt. Whereas, you know, something like Miami last year where Tua Tagovailoa had a guy get hurt and then moved on to his next wide receiver, you want to find the targets that those wide receivers are getting because those are the guys that he's going to be looking for when he's in trouble, similar to the relationship that Devontae Adams has with Aaron Rodgers. You know, when he's in trouble, he's looking for Devontae. So you want to find that guy on teams, especially pass-heavy teams, obviously. So if you see a guy getting 10, 11 targets a game, you know, that's something you want to keep an eye on. So chasing targets is my first tip. And I will let Jake give his first tip. Okay, click my button. Here we go. My first tip is stock up on wide receivers. This is not popular with a lot of people, but with PPR leagues, you're going to draft your top guys right away. Correct? Your running backs. You're gonna. You're. You're in PPR. You're gonna draft your running backs that receive the ball and run the ball. Yep. So my my opinion. I do this all the time. I win a lot of fantasy leagues. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to say. I'm just trying to help you out. Maybe make it a little harder for me not to win. But I always stock up on wide receivers, especially late in the draft. There's always those rookies or there's a second-year guy that, you know, was working really hard and, you know, he's on the drugs machine, he's running routes, you know. Or you find the sleepers. you got to find those those young guys, like you said, you know, with your your analogy, but you got to stock up on wide receivers late in the draft. That's my opinion because there's going to be one guy that nobody thought about that ends the year – with 60 catches, 800 yards, and 10 touchdowns, and you're like, God damn, where the hell did that guy come from? I wish I would I think I have him. a good wide receiver sleeper that you can find later in drafts. Oh, yeah. I mean, I my guy's kind of boom or bust, but you got to stock up on those wide receivers, people. I'm telling you. All right. So my second tip is to check the waivers early. Now, I always had a really easy benefit with this because I always got up super early in the morning for work, is that waivers usually process at like 3 in the morning. So you can go hop on those waivers right away. And the two things that you can do is to, A, pick up players that nobody else has picked up yet. And B, is you can look at the players that your league mates have dropped. And that's definitely something you want to keep an eye on to see. Um, Not only who was picked up, but look who your league mates drop. Because they could be dropping, you know, backup running backs for guys that are three down backs. Um, You know, they could be dropping, you know, a quarterback that could be useful um, or, you know, wide receivers who may not be, you know, number one on a depth chart, but could be thrust into a bigger role, whether it be injuries or say a bad defense, which is going to lead to my quarterback sleeper, you know, a team that's going to need to score points to keep up in games because they don't do a very good job of preventing points. So (laughs) my second tip is to check the waivers right away in the morning not only look at who was picked up, but also to look at who was dropped by your league mates. So I'll kick it to Jake for his. Okay. So my next two tips kind of go hand in hand. So if you want to click my button for me real quick. Right. Okay. Oh, so my that's third tip. tip. Oh, oh that's, there we go. Now I got the second one. Got the second the correct one. All right. There uh, you go. You got to draft quarterbacks in round six or earlier. Okay. I'm telling you people, 
quarterbacks are the end-all, be-all to your team. You need a Mahomes. You need a Rodgers. I mean, there's guys like you could draft a Brady. He scores a shit ton of points. Now he's on the Buccaneers. They just like to bomb that baby deep. They got all the wide receiver weapons. I mean, Justin Herbert's going to be a hot take this year. It's a lot of good quarterback play. The NFL has set up for for more scoring. So you got to draft your quarterback early. You got to get that guy in there, especially two quarterback leagues. Yeah, if you're doing two quarterback leagues, you should probably be drafting a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, you got you got to take one early, man. Uh, all these people and, they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna take the sleeper." They don't draft a quarterback to the tenth round. Well, you wonder why you have the first overall pick. That's why, buddy. Got to draft quarterbacks early. My, I think my favorite quarterback for fantasy football this year is gonna be Josh Allen. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. It was not. It was not popular with a lot of people. I took Cam Newton late a lot of years because nobody wanted him, and the second year that I ever drafted him was his MVP year. And then I started drafting quarterbacks earlier and earlier because people started catching on. Oh, man, Jake's getting 50 points from his quarterback. Uh, yeah, that's how I win all these games. Uh, and Tyler you know, Tyler said it in the comments that, you know, you can draft a quarterback in the sixth round or later in a one-quarterback league. So there's, you know, Jake is saying this. This is his tip. Now, for me, I personally like to punt the position because people um, like to grab quarterbacks early and – the thing that happens is that once somebody grabs the first quarterback, then everybody's grabbing a quarterback right after that. And what you can do is benefit from that, and you can grab you know a running back or a wide receiver that might not have been available to you. So this is kind of a tip within a tip here is that you want to be the person that starts that run. Yes. You don't want to pick a quarterback after three quarterbacks have gone off the board because you know the next two rounds, three of your league mates aren't looking at quarterbacks at all. So for me, I like to punt the position to the later rounds. And, you know, I'll give a guy that I would say you could look at later in the draft. But you don't, you know, it's a good tip if you're going to grab one of the top guys. If you're in the third round and a guy like Aaron Rodgers is available, like, take Aaron Rodgers. If not, and a bunch of quarterbacks go, hold off. You can get a good guy later in the draft. So that leads me to my third tip, which is... Running back depth and production is the hardest to replace, especially the way that fantasy football has gone in the last five to seven years where the the running back by committee has gotten more popular, especially when a guy who's a three down back gets hurt. And then, you know, the team just abandons the, the three down back and, you know, chooses to operate a running back by committee. Um this is something like the, the San Francisco 49ers have done this the last couple of years. You never knew which guy was going to, was going to get the production, but you look at a team like the saints and you know that Alvin Kamara is playing every down. He's getting a look in, in the running games. He's going to look in the passing games. So this is something that Jake brought up when I was telling him my fantasy tips was that um, drafting handcuffs. If you draft, say an Alvin Kamara in the first round later in the draft, grab Latavius Murray. Yes. Uh, Mike Davis last year after Christian McCaffrey got hurt, became super valuable in fantasy football. He won a lot of leagues for a lot of people, man. So, you know, those, those three down backs looking later in the draft, grabbing their backups. um, I'm going to give one later on um, that actually applies to our team, but um Running back depth 
is the hardest thing to replace and running back production. So if you have one of those guys, you know, uh, a Kamara, a Dalvin Cook, you draft Dalvin Cook and he gets hurt like he's done in his career and you don't have, you know, Alexander Madison on your roster, you're going to be looking for a guy to hopefully give you nine points in a week. You're going to be hurting. Yeah. So you want to keep an eye on that running back depth, especially later in the draft if you can draft, you know, the locked and loaded handcuffs, a guy like Alexander Madison, Latavius Murray. Um, those are the guys that you want to draft later in the draft. Yes. So I will let Jake do his third tip. So Tyler's point, Tyler's tip, my tip before this one all ties into my third tip, which is three of your first four picks should be running back. Fantasy football is really running back centric, in my opinion. If you get a top guy or two top 15 guys, two top 10 guys, you're going to be sitting real pretty. Doesn't matter who your wide receiver quarterback is. You get two good running backs, you'll be really good. You get a Christian McCaffrey and say you get a an Aaron Jones, you're feeling real goddamn good. I'll tell you that right now. Dude, Antonio um, Gibson should be on everybody's radar this year. Antonio, yeah. If he's not, then I don't know. You're drunk. I don't was so glad I got him last year. He was really good last year. And he has a better a better quarterback, better quarterback, more consistent, I guess I will say, is the word I'll use, quarterback play. Um, another year under Ron Rivera. Rivera, yeah. just, his toughness just goes throughout this, that entire team. And Antonio Gibson just runs people over. And Okay, so with that too is Washington has a really good defense. So what they want to do is slow the game down. They're going to try to you know, limit the amount of points you can score. And then when yep. they're on offense, they want to run clock. Yep. So they're going to run the ball a lot. They are going to grind you down. That's what they're going to do. So, all right. My point: draft a lot of running backs early, and then when you get to that sixth, sixth round, grab your quarterback. Your team will start to take form after that. Yep, look at that. Even Tim in the comments. Yep, had him in three leagues. Gibson, Antonio Gibson. If he if he can be your second running back, be happy. Yes. All right. My wait on fourth tip. All right. My fourth tip is don't be afraid to trade. Now, you know, I'm going to say this first before I give my reasoning why. You don't want your team at the end of the year, your final roster, to look like your draft board. People get so, all right, I'm going to use kind of a, kind of a inappropriate term, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it. It's people get after the draft, they start roster baiting. They get so excited, like, oh, my God, my draft was the best. Nobody's team is as good as mine, and I'm going to keep the same team the entire year. Don't do not do not do that. Don't be that guy that gets so excited that you start roster baiting. Like, don't. Just don't be that guy when it comes to fantasy football. I, I've seen it so many times that a dude's like, yes, this is my team. Nobody can touch any of my players. That said, is when you do trades – the easiest way to decide if a trade is good or bad is you want to make sure that you are getting the best player in the deal. So if you're trading, say, four guys for two guys, but one of the guys you're getting is DeAndre Hopkins, like that's a good trade. Obviously, if you're trading, you know, Devontae Adams and three other solid players, it's not a good trade. But um, if you're trading like four decent players for two damn good players, 
that's a good trade because you're going to plug those two guys in. You're going to get more points from one position, and then you can put another player into your roster. So that was my my fourth tip, and I will let Jake give his fourth tip that I think is stupid. So go. <laughs> so going off what you said about the, the people drafting their teams, I remember in one of my leagues, I'm not going to out my friend, but he was like, oh, man, I love my team. My team's so damn good. I drafted all these players. I'm like, man, I really hope that you like them because you walked up to the board and wrote all their names down. You wrote all of their names down on purpose for a reason. Like, I sure hope you like them. But, all right, yes, I did pick this tip kind of in spite of Tyler because <laughs> we were talking about doing this. He was just very passionate. I said draft a kicker. I'm half serious, half not. I've always drafted a kicker. I'm not saying he was the first 10 rounds on a kicker. But whenever I've drafted a kicker, I always get one of the top dogs. You know, last couple of years I've been drafting the Saints kicker, Will Lutz, you know, before he got hurt last year. Um, but he's, you know, I always get 15, 17, 20 points from my kicker. And that sometimes I can swing my games, man, honestly. I I play in a lot of different leagues. Some leagues I play in their two quarterbacks. Some, some leagues give a lot of bonuses. Some are individual defensive player leagues. But I've always thought that drafting a kicker is, you know, something that people kind of overlook. You know, I always try to go with Justin Tucker because, you know, he's just yeah. a kicker in the league. Yeah, there you go. Wilkins beat you to it. He commented it as you said it. I mean, he's not. That's not true. I mean, Mason Crosby played in the number one scoring offense last year. He scored I mean, a lot Brandon, of points. What, did Brandon McManus have a, a game last year where he had like 19 points? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good kickers out there, man. Usually what you go for when you draft a kicker, Google the top five scoring offenses in the NFL, look at their kickers, go from there. Pick one of those guys. That's why I always took the Saints, because the Saints always scored a bazillion points. Boston, oh, Bass from Buffalo. Oh, yeah, Bass. Um, I forgot what his first name is. Who the hell does Jay have on one team? I have Mahomes, Murray, Allen, and Brady on one team. It must be like a four-player league. Who the hell is in your league, dude? Oh, my gosh. I'll get in that league with you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a Wisco Fanatics Fantasy Football League. That'd be fun. That would be pretty cool. I'd be down. We might have to, might have to put that out there. I don't know. Right. Tim, I know Tim would be in it. I don't know if he wants to smoke. <laughs> It'd be fun. It'd be fun to do a followers league. That'd be fun. Jay, you got to come in this league, man, after talking that, man. You ain't getting all those players on one league. I'll tell you that right in this league. I'll tell I you already that. said Josh Allen is mine. I called dibs. <laughs> all right. So now that Jake's dumb kicker tip is done, I'm going to move on to <laughs> my fifth tip, which is to check your lineups right before game time. And this not only applies to your lineup, but also check your league mates' lineups. Um, injury reports, definitely something to keep an eye on, especially when players are coming to game time decisions. And what you can do with this is by checking lineups five to 10 minutes before game time. And this applies to the, you know, mainly the first set of games, um, is because after the first set of games, most of your roster gets locked, but you can do this by checking injury reports. Let's say, Let's. I'll use Delvin Cook as an example again. Let's say that Delvin Cook is a game-time decision, and he gets ruled out at 11.45, 15 minutes before game time. If you have a roster spot open or a guy on the bottom of your roster that you took a flyer on 
that you kind of just picked up and said, hey, maybe he'll turn into something good or, you know, a backup running back or something like that. If you can go and grab Alexander Madison 15 minutes before game time of Dalvin Cook getting ruled out of a game, you can not only, you know, potentially plug him into your lineup if you, you know, have flex positions or, um, you know, you need a running back that week. But not only does that help you, it hurts your your league mates. It You know, it takes out 20 points of production that he was going to get from Dalvin Cook that was going to transfer over to Alexander Madison. Is that not only does that potentially give you a big boost, but it cuts a huge leg out of your league mate. Even if you're not playing against him, points scored is usually the first tiebreaker in a record. You know, for records are tied, points scored is usually the first tiebreaker. So preventing your league mates from scoring points is still of interest to you, even if you're not playing them head-to-head that week. So mm-hmm. check your lineups right before game time to keep an eye on injury reports and game time decisions is my last tip, and I will let Jake do his last one. All right, this last tip is the biggest tip I can give you people. I know we're all Packers fans. I know we hate the Bears. I know we hate the Vikings. The list goes on and on. We we don't we don't get along with a lot of teams, San Fran, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Do not draft with your heart. Listen, man. Uh, when I was a little kid, you know, I can go back, I could look at all my Yahoo leagues, all my ESPN leagues, and I can look at all my teams. I drafted all Packers players. You want to know where I ended up? Last place. Last place. <laughs> my first player I ever drafted, first overall was Javon Walker. He was the entire reason I got into fantasy football. I love Javon Walker. I got into uh, fantasy football because of my dad. I remember my dad buying the magazines. and Yeah. I remember my dad drafting Todd Pinkston. And- <laughs> Dude, my first team was literally all back. Brett Favre, Ramon Green, Donald Driver, all that stuff. Um, But I will say, I mean, Montgomery for the Bears, he's a good running back. He'll, he's gonna score fantasy points. Yeah, he's gonna, he's especially gonna if Justin Fields is that guy. If he can, if he can, you know, do any damage to the air, Montgomery will be a monster this year in fantasy. Yeah. Um, I mean, with the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, he's one of the best running backs in the league. Don't Justin Jefferson's a good wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Allen Robinson, he's a stud. I mean, there's just there's players yep. on all the teams. You know, don't be afraid to draft. You know, rival players. You're trying to, you know, make your wallet bigger. Yep. You, deal, you could deal with, you know, everybody loves football at the end of the day. So yep. don't draft with your heart. Draft with your head because that's going to make the right decision. All right. So that being said, Jake and I wanted to give some sleepers. You know, we thought about doing, you know, locks and sleepers, but yes. you know who the locks are. If you're playing fantasy football, you should know who the locks are. If you don't know who the locks are, I would question why you're playing fantasy football in the first place. You don't need us to tell you that Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen are good quarterbacks and that Alvin Kamara is good for you in a PPR league or that Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in the league. Like You don't need us to tell you that. That being said, we're going to give some sleepers. We're going to do quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end sleepers, and I'm going to kick it off. Actually, you know what? I kicked it off for tips. We're going to let Jake kick it off. You can kick it off. Start with your quarterback. Yeah, you start it. My first sleeper is a super sleeper, okay? Super sleeper, I like it. Um, this is if you don't want to draft a quarterback. Go against my game plan because you think that I'm a dumbass or something. I don't know. But the Jets have actually put together a pretty nice, young, exciting team around offense. Zach Wilson. They have a nice offense, actually. Um, 
they they redid the whole left side of that line. They drafted uh, Brad Tucker out of USC at left guard. They got Becton, who's just ginormous at left tackle. And, you know, for receivers, they just brought in Corey Davis. They got Denzel. Yep, Martin, Corey Davis. Crowder, yep. And they got Tevin Coleman at running back. And Tevin Coleman is going to be trying to, you know, put some respect back on his name. And then he's actually – He just going. got reunited with Salah. You know, yeah. 49er ties. So, yep. <clears throat> excuse me. The, Zach Wilson is an exciting guy. Some people are, you know, comparing him to Johnny Manziel, saying he's a little bit of Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be somewhere in between. I really do. Plus, the thing about Zach Wilson that is different from some other young quarterbacks, he doesn't have a veteran behind him that's going to be taking snaps away from him if he plays bad. That's how that's I feel. true. So, so Zach Wilson, good or bad, is going to be getting all the snaps, and he's he's going to put up good or bad numbers. I think it's going to be more good than bad. So I, Zach Wilson, I think, is actually, besides Trevor Lawrence, my favorite quarterback in this draft. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, and I will say Tevin Coleman is one of those guys. Um, he could be a sleeper in a, in a PPR league, a point per reception league. Um, Tevin Coleman's actually a pretty decent dual threat running back. He's not, you know, he's not Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. He's not that, but he's a guy that can give you a decent running production and three or four catches might not seem like a big deal, but three catches for 20 yards adds five points to your score. So I'll say that um, my quarterback sleeper is Derek Carr because he plays in a division uh, with a lot of high scoring teams. The Chargers are going to score a lot of points this year. The Chiefs score a lot of points. The Broncos. Mm, Everything outside of quarterback is very good. I, I, if I were the Broncos, I would start Teddy Bridgewater, but that's just me. Um, yeah. But with Derek Carr, he's got some really good receivers. Uh, he has a good running back in Josh Jacobs, but after that, their backup running back, Jalen Richard, just got hurt. So, you know, Josh Jacobs has had some injuries in the past. So their running backs are kind of shaky. They have great wide receivers, and they have a top three tight end in Darren Waller. Now, all of that coupled with the fact that they do not have a good defense. They have a bottom third of the league defense, so they're going to give up a lot of points. So they're going to be trying to play keep up with their good passing weapons. So Derek Carr is my sleeper quarterback. You could grab him sixth rounder later and, you know, have solid production from the quarterback. He was actually last season in the MVP discussion at times. It wasn't often, but he's a guy like, like Ryan Tannehill. He's a, he's a, he's a guy that people aren't thinking when they're thinking of good fantasy football quarterbacks, but can actually give you some solid production. I mean, the case for Derek Carr, he plays with one of the best tight ends in the league. He has a good running game, and he, he takes a lot of deep shots. So that that is the whole case for Derek Carr. All right. I'm going to let you give your running back sleeper. All right. So running back sleeper is a guy that could have been a sleeper last year, could have been a sleeper the year before, Miles Sanders. Um, he's got a new head coach, um, and – Head coach, he was in KC. He was on the Chargers. He was on the Colts. And what's the what's the trend that they had? They all use their running backs, right? Um, he's he could be a dual threat guy, even though last year, I'm just gonna say last year for the Eagles was just bad, just injuries. Wentz was just terrible. Wentz was awful. Turning the ball over every other every other time he touched the damn thing. So 
I'm going to give Miles Sanders a pass for last year. He had a terrible catch rate. But to me, he is a dual threat. Um, he's a three-down type. He can run between the tackles. And the thing that he's getting back is that dominant right side of that line. You know, Brandon Brooks, Lane, Lane Johnson, and, you know, they got Kelsey up the middle at center. I mean, I know they're aging, but they're still very good offensive linemen. So he gets that back. And when Hertz became the starter the last five weeks, he averaged 17 points per game, 17 to 19 points per game. So Miles Sanders is one of those guys that can be your third running back, and you'll be happy. You know, you could have a Miles Sanders, he could pop off for 24 because he gets the ball in the end zone a couple times. You yeah. know, Miles Sanders is just, he's a unique guy. I think he's too talented to be down where he is. All right, so I'm going to get my running back sleeper, contrary to Jake's tip of don't pick with your heart, but my running back sleeper is A.J. Dillon. Uh, reason being for this is last year during Packers season, I mentioned it a lot, the way that Matt LaFleur likes to use his running backs is that he likes to at times limit their workload to keep them healthy for the end of games and healthy for the end of the season. So there will be times where A.J. Dillon will, will spell Aaron Jones and he'll get a series full of carries where Aaron Jones will sit on an entire series and A.J. Dillon will play the whole series. Um, the other thing that I think really benefits A.J. Dillon is that he is going to get a majority of the goal line work for the Packers. He's a big guy when you're at the one-yard line and you need somebody to punch it in. You put in A.J. Dillon, he's going to run everybody over. He's going to run everybody over. And if somebody tackles him, he's just going to lift them up and carry him in. So A.J. Dillon will definitely be a touchdown vulture at times to Aaron Jones. So kind of, you know, temper your expectations with Aaron Jones a little bit because I really think A.J. Dillon is going to get a lot of goal line work this year. So A.J. Dillon is my running back sleeper. And I will kick it to Jake for his wide receiver sleeper. So my wide receiver sleeper staying with the Green Bay Packers is the biggest boom or bust player in the entire NFL. He really is. Uh, boom or bust. Um, he's boom because he led the NFL and had the most 40-yard touchdowns last season. And he's bust because he probably had one of the highest drop rates last season. But if he holds on to the damn football, this man's going to put together some some nice stats. This guy could legitimately have 50 catches, 1,000 yards, and 11 <laughs> touchdowns. I I mean, he had, what did he, have? he had 33 catches for 690 yards last year. Imagine if he doubles that. That is a monster year. 33 more catches. That is a mo- that's th- almost 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns. If he just doubles that alone. Um he he had the he led the NFL, you know, this is a weird stat that I looked up. Distance of target. He had the mm-hmm. highest distance of yep. target in the NFL at 18.2. Yep. Um he simply just has to hold on to the ball and he'll be he'll be a premier fantasy wide receiver. You know, with that being said, I was doing some research on wide receivers, and I really wanted to give you two. And my boy Wilkins is in the comments, and he got a little ahead of me because my second sleeper is Elijah Moore from the Jets. Okay. Um, I had Zach Wilson, quarterback Jets. Elijah Moore, everything I've been hearing about Elijah Moore has been nothing but good. OBJ signed off on him, obviously one of the top wide receivers in the league. A.J. Brown, another guy. He said he'd bet his game checks that Elijah Moore went rookie of the year. Elijah mm. Moore looks apart. He's a smart mm. guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And, you know, you talked about camaraderie between teammates. 
you know, that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams connection. Yep, that chemistry. I think rookie to rookie. And Elijah Moore is a slot, so he's closer to the line. He's closer mm, to the yep. quarterback. Yep. He is old Miss product. I think Elijah Moore is going to be a guy that you can snag late in the draft because he's a rookie. Go back to my point about drafting a ton of wide receivers late in the draft. Yep. And he's just a guy you can throw in there. And I, the thing that really, really got to me, and this is where it's going to really hit, hit the nail on the head, I thought of Burrow and Higgins last year. T. Higgins. They were connecting last year. I drafted Burrow. I drafted T. Higgins. And obviously Burrow ended up getting hurt. T. Higgins still did all right. But he was a monster with Burrow in there, man. And they really, really had a good connection. So Elijah Moore, remember that name? And MVS, he's a guy you can dra- – you could probably pick MVS up off the free agency after the draft. He probably, yeah, he probably draft can. Yeah. Because nobody's going to draft him. But yep. those are two guys right there that if you stash those guys on your bench and they start getting hot, you know, first couple of weeks, yep. that can help you win the league. See, and that the other thing you can do with that is this kind of ties into one of my tips. Let's say Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a game where he has three catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. Trade him the next day. Use him to to you know to bait for a trade. Use you know a boom bust player to um, to grab a good wide receiver. I'm trying to think of an example of somebody. You're not going to get DeAndre Hopkins for MVS after one week of of boom. But um, let's say let's say let's say a Tyler Lockett for example. If you could pair MVS with a, a receiver or a running back and trade for a guy like Tyler Lockett, who is a really solid, consistent receiver and was, um, when we did some receiver rankings, you know, a potentially top five, top 10 wide receiver at times last year, use the the boom production that you get from these boom bust guys and trade them for consistent players. Yep. Take advantage of the recency bias that people have. <clears throat> so my... My wide receiver sleeper, he really embodies the the term sleeper because I really don't think he's going to be on a lot of people's radars. But he's on mine for a few reasons. One, I think Josh Allen's going to have an MVP year. I really think Josh Allen is going to be probably top two or three as far as MVP is concerned. Um, he has Stephon Diggs, so there's going to be a lot of attention on the other side. My sleeper wide receiver is Isaiah McKenzie. He came on kind of late last year. Um, so being opposite of Stephon Diggs, there's going to be a lot of attention on the other side of the ball, which means he gets to go against second-string, third-string cornerbacks. And the other thing that can create a lot of opportunity for Isaiah McKenzie is if Cole Beasley ends up not playing. Because Cole Beasley has had some pretty hard stances on the COVID vaccine. So if he chooses not to play this year because he doesn't want to get the vaccine – that could create open up a huge door for a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. Now, Jake was just talking about MVS. If he can't hold on to the ball, you know, you're going to get bust. Last year, Isaiah McKenzie had 34 targets. He had 30 receptions. That's very good. He holds on to the ball. And the last thing with Isaiah McKenzie is he runs a 4-4-2-40. That is fast. So he's fast. He holds on to the ball. He plays with a gunslinger who I think is going to have a huge year and he's going to be on a good offense that passes a lot. So Isaiah McKenzie is my my wide receiver sleeper. If you can grab him late in a draft, Gabriel Davis as well. You know, guys from that offense, 
if you you know besides Stephon Diggs, who is probably going to be a first round pick, if you can grab some of those other wide receivers, especially if Cole Beasley is not going to play because of his stance on the vaccine, um, definitely take an eye on some other um, Buffalo Bills wide receivers. Terrence Marshall, let... Terrence Marshall is a huge sleeper, Tim. Um, so let's go to tight ends. All right. Do it up. So first thing I'm going to say, even though Tyler said we don't have to tell you to draft people, draft Kyle Pitts. Draft Kyle Pitts. They just got rid of Julio. That man is going to get targets on targets on targets. He is going to uh, – who am I thinking of? He's probably going to be the number one receiver in that offense. Yeah, he – well. Calvin Ridley is pretty good, but he, he – He'll get – He'll get he had an off year last year. But he's going to be the new George Kittle. Kyle Pitts is going to be the new George Kittle. That's not my sleeper. My sleeper is Mike Kaseki, uh tight end Miami. Um, he, had a, he had a really, really, really huge week two. And then after that, he kind of fell off. And then he became consistent, you know, 10 points here, 12 points there. But that was with two different quarterbacks. Uh, what I saw is with his splits is he got more looks from Tua. I forgot to write down the number of targets. But, you know, people are going to be scared to draft him because of the addition of Jalen Waddell. But what I still think is Jalen Waddell is just going to be the deep threat kind of guy. And Gasecki stretches the field down the middle. He's a tight end. They might keep him close. And Tua still is a developing quarterback. And where do developing quarterbacks go? They do a lot of checkdowns to the running backs and to the tight ends. So I think Gasecki could potentially be a good, you know, PPR guy. You know, he could be a guy that has yep. eight catches for fifty yards, and yep. you know that's that's a pretty good day out of a tight end. And he'll end. give you a good chance at a touchdown. Yeah, and he is an athlete, man. He can run. He's a big giant gazelle, and he makes some really nice one-handed catches. So Mike Gasecki is going to be a nice pick. You know, really, really late in the draft because a lot of people—I don't don't think a lot of people are going to be looking at Mike Gusecki. You know, when I was th- looking at tight ends, you have your guys, right? You have your top end guys. I could have easily put Robert Tanyan in, in here, but I didn't want to yep. put another Packer. You know, Robert Tanyan right. going to be a guy that's slept on but not slept on. You know, my my tight end is going to kind of relate to Robert Tanyan in a way, okay. and my tight end sleeper is Anthony Ferkser from the Tennessee Titans. I almost now, did him. I there's so many reasons for this. So first reason I'm just going to throw it out there to relate to Packer fans is you can see when a team has a good running back, how just insanely wide open a tight end can end up down the field when everybody's looking in the backfield. The Tennessee Titans have Derrick Henry. A lot of teams are going to have their eyes on Derrick Henry. You can put in Anthony Ferkser and then, you know, he's a good blocking tight end just like Robert Tanyan, and you hand the ball off three times in a row to Derrick Henry, and then the next play you play action, and Ryan Tannehill is actually a pretty good play action quarterback, and Anthony Ferkser is just going to be wide open. Packer fans have seen it work with Robert Tanyan, the, the effect that play action can have for a tight end. Robert Tanyan had 10 touchdowns last year. Just out of nowhere, just scored 10 touchdowns. So Tanyan had a very high catch rate last year, too. That said, you mentioned that you were talking about the Jets. Corey Davis is now a Jet. So A.J. Brown is the only you know, stud wide receiver left in Tennessee. And Jonu Smith, a guy who had a pretty solid fantasy production last year, is now in New England. So, you know, there's definitely opportunity in that offense for pass catchers. 
So my tight end sleeper is Anthony Ferkser from um, Tennessee. <clears throat> so pretty pretty good sleepers. We got some deep sleepers, man. Dude, uh, Isaiah McKenzie's a real deep sleeper. <laughs> like agree. maybe last pick of the draft sleeper. Like if you know if your draft is twelve rounds. And you want to follow Jake's strategy of drafting a kicker? Say draft a kicker in the eleventh round or the tenth round. Draft your defense in the eleventh round, and then in the twelfth round, grab Isaiah McKenzie. Man, all right, I like it. And yeah, yeah Jay Jay said Julio Jones is injury prone, so you know that that Tennessee offense. There's going to be opportunity, especially with no Johnu Smith. Jay, I'm not touching a single player on the Saints unless Alvin Kamara. That is the only human being. Because Michael Thomas drama, you don't know who your quarterback is. If it ends up being Winston, he's going to turn the ball over. You know that for a fact. If it ends up being Hill, you're going to be very run-centered. I mean, the Saints are kind of a mess right now. Let's be honest. They still got very good defense, but they're kind of a mess right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Their backfield is the only – offense I would touch and I would draft Latavius Murray just off of him being Alvin Kamara's handcuff. Yep. hundred percent. So is there any other fantasy football related info you want to, uh, to convey besides the possibility of a, of a Wisco fanatics fantasy football league? No. Um, (laughs) no, no, I don't got anything else. Yes. No, maybe. No. All right. So the last thing I want to do on the show today is to give a Jordan Wara public service announcement. If I see one more person say that Jordan Wara deserves starter minutes this year, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to lose it. I love Jordan Wara. I, he's, I think he's got the tools to be a really good player. Jake made a really good comparison. I'll let him give it in a minute. But second-round picks don't go from raw prospect to sixth man in one offseason. People see that Jordan War had 30 points and did add eight rebounds and six assists, so that's a very encouraging sign. He's playing summer league. He took 28 shots to get to his 30 points, and he shot four from 13 on three-pointers. That's 31%. Bucks average around 38 to 39%. So Jordan Wara has time in the rest of summer league and in the preseason and training camp to make an impression with his three-point shooting and then potentially step into a Bryn Forbes-type role where you can bring him in to um, just basically camp out on the three-point line, but he's got to up his three-point percentage if he wants that to happen. Being in summer league or on the Nigerian national team where he's featured – and scoring points by being a volume scorer is not going to crack him into the lineup, into the rotation, giving him playoff minutes. He's not going to be the first guy off the bench. Just not that time yet. Next season, we can maybe have this conversation, but he's got to improve on defense, he's got to get stronger, and he's got to up his three-point percentage if he wants serious rotation minutes. And with him you know, needing to bulk up a little bit, he is six foot seven, so he's got an NBA body. And I will yeah. let Jake give his comparison that he made with Jordan Wara because I think it's a good one. Okay, I will say I know the NBA has changed, you know, since you know this other player was a young player and in the G League and stuff like that. 
you know, it's a little bit more opened up and Nawara plays into that. But yep. my comparison was Chris Middleton. I mean, Middleton came in as a second round pick. You know, he showed flashes. Um, yep. He was a big, long guy, six foot seven, six foot eight. And he could, he had an outside shot and he had very little defense. And look what Chris Middleton has turned into now today a two time all star, two way player. And he's just making clutch fadeaway buckets in the finals. Now he's um, a champion. Yeah. And he's a, he's Jordan Moore is too. But- and gold medalist. Let's not forget and that. And gold medalist. He's a gold medalist. Um, so I think Jordan Awara should continue on this path, get some play time, take, you know, advantage of his opportunity. And Tyler and I were talking and he will get plenty of run in the beginning of the season because, you know, the season just ended and they're going to go back to the regular schedule. So the season's right around the corner. They're not going to want to burn out their guys again because we're a championship team. So, you know, he's going to get plenty of run, you know, and, you know, another thing I said to Tyler is when council has his bullpen days, like, Tyler likes to call them, and it's brilliant. Yep. Um, yep. The Bucks, you know, Boonholzer likes to do that too, where he's just like, hey, listen, you guys, the starting five, sit your butts down. We're going to let the bullpen carry us today, you know, like against trash teams like the Bulls. And uh, we're just going to let the bullpen carry us today, and that's when the Wara can go off for 35 points and yeah. show us what, what he's made of. Yeah. But I do like that he's trying to create a little bit more off the dribble. That's nice. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, if he can get into a position where – you know, Giannis can drive and kick to him, and he can do a pump fake and take a couple dribbles and shoot a wide-open mid-range shot. Like, Jordan Wara, he has a great shot, and he's confident when he shoots. Yes. Love to see it. But he's not ready to – he's definitely not ready to start. He's not starting at shooting guard, so put that out of your mind. Um, I think Grayson Allen's probably going to be the starting shooting guard at the beginning of the year because I think they traded for him thinking that Dante's not going to be ready. And – He's not going to be the sixth man. Bobby Portis is going to be the sixth man. Pat Connaughton's going to be the seventh man. If Jordan Wara impresses the rest of summer league training camp and the preseason, he will have a chance to come in after that. He's not jumping over Pat Connaughton. He's not jumping over Bobby Portis. And as far as rotations go, he's he's not going to be over George Hill, and he's probably not going to be over Semi Ojale. Because Semi Ojale is a proven defender, and he can shoot the corner three. Yeah, he can shoot all threes. He's not just a corner three punch there. Well, I mean, he's he's shown that he can be that that PJ Tucker type threat where you can yeah. camp him in the corner and then you know use him on defense. So he's probably looking at like tenth man right now. Hey, suit but up. there's opportunity. There's opportunity. Hey. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with Jordan Wara. Just calm down. I know he's playing well in summer league, but you got to keep in context. Just came off a championship. A raw prospect from the second round is not cracking the rotation in his second year. This is a PSA for all Wisconsin fans. Yes, we like to compete. Yes, we want to win. We also have to prepare for the future. So Jordan Wara is part of that preparation for five, six, seven years from now. So let's just enjoy uh, prime Giannis, and we still have prime Middleton and prime Holiday right now. Let's enjoy these championship years, and then when Jordan Awara is ready to step into that Chris Middleton role, when Giannis is a little bit older in a few years, then he can do that. We Right now we have a really great team, but we have a really solid young core in the three players of Jordan Awara, Mamadi Diakite, and Sandrew Mamu. I'm not going to say the rest of his last name. 
It's hard. Dude, and I told Tyler, I said, Mamu and and Nawara, they play perfect off each other. They do. Because Sandro, he's a he's a kind of a he's a big guard, kind of. You know, he's got yeah. that feel to him where he can create off the dribble and he's a very good passer, and you can just run Nawara off all these screens, flare screens, elevator screens, and you can just get him wide open for for three pointers. And then you can just have Diakite cutting off that screen back door and throw that lob, baby. Oh, I can yep. already see the future, baby. Yeah. No, I like yeah. it. I like it. We got a lot of good young talent, man. It's very yeah, we're going to have to bring out the own the future towels again and, and keep the futures now and then have the own the future right. ones ready to go for 2024. Hey, and maybe, maybe you know, former Badger Trice might be part of that. I don't know. I, I, he, didn't, I didn't get to I watch. I think I saw that he was one there. for three in yesterday's game. Okay, I didn't get to see, see him play much the other day. I think but... he played like five and a half minutes from what I saw. Yeah, he might – unless he really becomes a really good three-point shooter, he's not going to get a lot of burn in the NBA. He's, he's probably going to be – he'll probably be on the Wisconsin herd. Probably, which right in my backyard basically. <laughs> All right, man, you got anything else? Uh, One thing I wanted to say, very, very excited to watch Jordan Love this weekend. Mm. Uh, first football game in 600-some-odd days. I saw the stat today. It's crazy. Uh, let's not freak out. You know, another PSA for Wisconsin fans. Yeah, that's a good yeah, Let's not good freak point. out if he doesn't look good, okay? He hasn't played football in a long time. He didn't even suit up for us in the regular season last year. Had no had no preseason, barely any training camp. Like, this is his first real run. He's kind of a rookie. We got to treat him like that. So, And he was, he was a raw prospect coming in. Let's give him some time. I just – I kind of hope that – LaFleur kind of just lets him rip, baby. Oh, hey, yeah. Jordan, go out there, full throttle. Let's throw some deep balls. And DeAndre Tompkins, baby, number six wide receiver. I like him. I think he's you – now that's a sleeper on the Packers to make the roster. So we'll see what's going on with that. So maybe next week after the first preseason game happens, we'll have to uh, maybe give some some preseason players that might make the roster type uh, I like it. Type segment. Okay. And then um, probably soon in the next week or two, we'll probably be doing sort of a primer for Badger football because yep. college football is coming back soon too. So excited for that as well. But uh, if you got nothing else, I will see you Friday. All right, buddy. Hey, I want to say one last thing. This is the last thing I got to say on the show. Everybody that follows this show, whether you listen to it now, tomorrow, or Friday, at some point during that day, I need everybody to wish my man, Tyler Schicker, a happy birthday. Oh, look at that. He's going <laughs> to join the 28 Club. Uh, I've been in it for almost a year. He joins the 28 Club, then I joined the 29 Club not far after. But Friday is Tyler's birthday, so let's all wish him a very happy birthday. And if you're around here, Wisconsin, and you want to come party with us, I, I do my dad's golf outing during the day. Tyler would be coming down. We we take over the city of Kiel that night. So if you want to come join us, I plead the fifth because I will not be this normal human being. But come celebrate Tyler's birthday and come meet all of our friends. We might we might have to do a short live video because me, you, your dad, and Curtis are all going to be in the same place at the same time. So we could just have all the, the Wisco we, Fanatics guests. We will be posting photos, some squad pics. Uh, all the boys posting up, and uh, from there on, he said, I ha- uh, your sister, happy early birthday. <laughs> oh, Krusty. Oh, no. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I haven't uh, even hit the dirty 30 yet, but all right. <laughs> right. All right, man. Well, 
I will see you Friday for your birthday then, my guy. All right. I'll see you soon, man. All right. Later, buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.